You're listening to Biceps After Babies Radio, episode number 141. Hello, and welcome to Biceps After Babies Radio, a podcast for ladies who know that fitness is about so much more than pounds lost or PRs. It's about feeling confident in your skin and empowered in your life. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, a registered nurse, personal trainer, wife, and mom of four. Each week, my guests and I will excite and motivate you to take action in your own personal fitness as we talk about nutrition, exercise, mindset, personal development, and executing life with conscious intention. If your goal is to look, feel, and be strong and experience transformation from the inside out, you, my friend, are in the right place. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, and today on the podcast, I am sharing with you my friend and core and diastasis recti expert, Andrea Allen. So I invited Andrea onto the podcast because diastasis recti and core stability, core strength is something that's really, really important and not something that I would consider myself an expert on. And so My goal is always to bring you guys really up-to-date expert information about things. And so when I'm not an expert, I'm going to bring somebody on who is. And Andrea has had experience personally with diastasis recti, and uh, she's built her business a lot around helping women to identify and heal their diastasis recti, in addition to a lot of the other nutrition and uh, workout coaching that she also does. So in this podcast episode, we talk a lot about your core. And there's going to be some things in this episode that may surprise you that you didn't know about your core. We tend to have some misconceived notions when we talk about the core. And Andrea does a really good job of breaking down what the core actually means, what diastasis recti is, how do you know if you have it? And most importantly, I think um, how we all should be aware of activating and using our core and our pelvic floor while we're lifting. So this is like whether or not you're pregnant, whether or not you ever want to be pregnant or ever have been pregnant, being able to build a mind-muscle connection between your brain and your pelvic floor and your core is essential to being able to become a better weightlifter, to be able to lift more weights. If you think about it, especially with our big heavy lifts, um, where we're really trying to transfer a lot of force and a lot of weight, The more rigid and stable and tight we can make the body, the more we're able to transfer that force and that load through the body. So um, it's why we brace our core. It's why we tighten everything before we drop into a squat. It's why we tighten everything and lock everything into place before we try to stand up with a deadlift. And so we talk in this episode about how important it is for any woman to be able to know where her pelvic floor is, to be able to, to... as Andrea says in the episode, which I really like, invite it to the party, invite the pelvic floor to the party, um, invite your intra-abdominals to the party, uh, and be able to really create that nice solid foundation, you're going to become a better lifter. And you're going to prevent some of these um, problems that can come with a, when you have a weak pelvic floor or when you have um, you know, weak abdominals or a weak core. So this podcast episode is going to help you if you're pregnant and you want to prevent diastasis recti, it's going to help you identify if you have it, if you are postpartum, and it's also going to help you become a better lifter to be able to start to identify how to brace the core, how to activate the pelvic floor, how to properly brace the pelvic floor. I tell a story in this episode about how I wasn't bracing 
properly previously um, my pelvic floor. So we dive into all of that. Um, Before we dive into the episode, I do want to mention that Andrea is somebody that I really would recommend um, with going to if you are someone who struggles with diastasis recti. Like I said, it's not my area of expertise. It's not anything that I'm really good at teaching or coaching through. Um, but I really respect and trust Andrea and she has a diastasis recti program. It's actually one of her newest programs. And so we've linked that up in the show notes at bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash one four one, since this is the 141st episode and you'll be able to find all of her information on there. We've linked to all of her, um, social media, and then also to her programs. So if that's something that interested you, I highly recommend her as um, using her as a resource and being able to um, learn from her. So without further ado, let's dive into that episode with Andrea Allen. I am so excited to welcome to the podcast, Andrea Allen. Andrea, Andrea, how are you doing? I'm so good. I am super excited to be here. I was looking forward to it all day. <laughs> it's it's going to be such a good conversation. We've already had such a good conversation before we even hit record, and now everybody gets to hear more. Of I know. We're like chatting it up, and you're like, oh, yeah, I should start. The I literally was like, I should record this because we're like already starting to get good stuff. So um, awesome. Well, I'm really excited to have you on. When I let my followers on Instagram know that I was going to have you on as a guest, they were so excited. And I even put up like a little question box. I was like, what do you want me to ask her? And I got some some of the questions that I am going to ask you today were directly from people who follow both of us. And we're really excited for me to ask you some of these questions. So anybody who maybe doesn't know who you are, doesn't follow you on Instagram yet, can you kind of just tell us a little bit about you, how you got started on Instagram, a little bit about your story and how you help women? Yes, of course. So I started my Instagram account um, when my twins were eight weeks old. It was like a long time ago. And I felt like you know, I'd had my twins. I, I graduated in public health education. I was a trainer. I taught fitness classes at the time. And I just had a lot of people saying, why don't you share what you eat? Why don't you share what you do for exercise? So I started the account that way. And in this process, I, after my twins, I developed diastasis recti, which is an issue of the abs splitting after you have children. Now, a lot of people think that it's rare. It's not. It actually happens to 66% of women, but most often for many, it heals within the first like 10 to 12 weeks. But for many women, it sticks around years and years after, and they don't even realize it. They just think, oh, this is my mommy belly. This is my mommy pooch, but it's actually an injury. It's a separation of the right ab and the left ab. So when I started, you know, getting back into fitness after my kids, I was like, I am a hot mess. I was like, I, I can't do any activities. I can't run without peeing my pants. My back hurt. My stomach wasn't laying right. And I just didn't feel good. So I dove really deep into, um, I would say inner core health. And then I just kind of linked that with being a trainer and understanding the nutrition side of it and understanding like just typical personal training. And I put it all together in one and was like, I want to help the the everyday mom, the woman who struggles with like, where does she start? How does she get moving? How does she feel good in her body? How does she figure out how to stop being her pants and reduce her back pain and have a flatter core, not just from like starving herself because that's a bunch of bull crap. That doesn't work. You and I both know that doesn't work. And like teaching some balance with nutrition and really interlacing that with, you know, inner core work and then just full body work. So I train online. Um, I run like a training program where I do nutrition coaching and um, workout coaching. And then I have a couple of guides that really focus heavily on inner core work for people who are pregnant or postpartum or have diastasis recti. 
That's so cool. And for someone who maybe is hearing the term diastasis recti, first of all, I feel like it's become a more mainstream term than it maybe was like when yes, I, I had my first baby. <laughs> when I had it with the twins, I was Googling and it was like a struggle to find anything. Yeah. On it. Once I figured out what it was, it was like, I would stay up. I would put my twins to bed and I would research all night trying to learn about this thing that was like this foreign mysterious yeah. problem that people had that nobody talked about. I'd nobody talked about the it. Gym. Nobody yeah. said anything. And yeah. I was like, something's not right. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like we're starting to talk a little bit more about it, but there's still totally. probably people who a, you know, this is the first time they're ever hearing about it. And B, I think even more likely, and you know, you can tell me if this is accurate. I think there are a lot of women walking around who have it as a problem and haven't yet identified it. And so if somebody is listening and they're like, well, I have a mommy pooch or I have, my stomach is my trouble area. What would you say to them? How are, how would you help them to figure out? Yes, I do have a diastasis recti. No, I don't. Or like somewhere in between, what would you say to somebody who's listening? Yes. So let me explain really quick what it is. So everyone, if you think about the autonomy of your abs, you have a right ab and a left ab. That's the six pack that everyone sees. There's lots of ab muscles underneath there. There's the obliques, the internal, the external, and underneath everything is the transverse abdominals. And the transverse abdominals are like the most underrated <laughs> core, like move like the core muscle ever because it wraps all the way around from your spine all the way to the other side yet you don't hear very many people talk about it and if that's under trained the core is just not going to do its job very well because that's your most inner layer yeah so and can i point out too because before before we started hitting record um we were talking about this misnomer of like when people when we say core most people in their head they think the rectus abdominis like the, the six-pack like the abs like that's yes. what they think core is and if you're listening to Andrea, that's like, like superficial, the six pack is your is, superficial is the and superficial the is your inside. That's yeah. like, I'm actually the tank and that's mm -hmm. just the pretty makeup on the outside. Yes. Oh, good analogy. Yeah. So you know, okay. that's actually what's doing everything and making the core do what it does is that inside. So with diastasis recti or diastes, there's lots of ways to say it, depending on who you're talking to, um, the right out and the left out basically separate. And there is, if you look at it, there's a thin line that run down the right and the left ab, and that's called the linea alba. And when you become pregnant, it often pushes out. So it starts to push forward and that linea alba gets stretched out. After you have the baby, for some women that closes back up, your core does its job. But for many women, the core stays weak, the linea alba stays stretched out and the connective tissue there just never strengthens back up. And then the core is not doing its job, which creates the mommy pooch. So it's not a thing of like fat. It's literally a separation of the core. And that's the misconception because I feel like our whole lives we thought, oh, that's just what happens to mom. No, that's it's a literally an injury. Like it's a problem. It's like saying like my knee, you know, you have elbow tendonitis or whatever it is. It's a problem that you can work on. Yeah. So that's number one. Is, is it preventable? Is this something that a woman can prevent from happening or is it inevitability of just having a nine pound baby in your so uterus? It's both first diastasis recti men can actually have it if they mm -hmm. don't properly support their core. Um, children, if you actually, you can see it the best in babies. If you ever watch a baby breathe, you can see almost a separation when they inhale because their core is still coming together. Like they're still, you know, they have less bones and they fuse together. And so you can see it, but yes, you can, you can't necessarily like 
a hundred percent prevent it, but you can reduce the effects of it. So ab separation while pregnant is normal. Your abs straight up have to separate to fit right. that baby. Where's it going to go? Where's yes, the baby going? Exactly. <laughs> Baby's going out. Mom's yeah. going out. Yeah. But if you are a mother of multiples, if you have babies back to back, if you have big babies, or often if you're shorter because there's nowhere for the baby to go but out, those are women who more commonly develop it. Mm -hmm. Now, during pregnancy, you still can learn to protect your core by lifting the pelvic floor and drawing the transverse abdominals in during movements. So you can prevent the severity. For example, during my twin pregnancy, I knew nothing. I didn't, I did not even know the core was a thing. I was planking and crunching and all kinds of things when I was pregnant. And I was not even connecting my core properly. And that's when I developed it. After my second two babies, I knew in those pregnancies how to inhale, lift the pelvic floor, draw the transverse abdominals in. You can kind of imagine transverse abdominals like a corset. You know what I mean? And as you draw in, it's like a rolling pin rolling up from the bottom of your stomach, exhaling and pulling the core together. So I knew how to do that. So the severity of my DR in the other ones was way less. It was nothing like my other ones. My back pain was less. I healed faster. My core laid faster. My core felt better faster because I did know how to connect properly during pregnancy. Now, a lot of women think, oh, I'll just deal with it after. I'll just deal with it after. And it's like, no, you literally just breathing techniques can actually a help you in your labor. You'll be better at pushing the baby out. If you know how to connect to your pelvic floor and B help you recover faster. And then even years and years down the road, the same technique helps people heal it. Yeah. Good. Why do you think that, um, more providers aren't looking for this or notifying women. I feel like it's like one of those things that women figure out years after they've had the baby that they have had a diastasis recti the whole time. Why do you think that's being missed or not a, an important thing that providers are looking for postpartum? I think it's a little bit the old school mentality. I mean, even with pregnancy, they used to say, don't move around, don't lift more than 40 pounds, you know, just do this or that. And like, they kind of like tabooed exercise. But if you even look at OBs recently, they've come out and said, no, exercise is actually really good for you and the baby. It actually improves the baby's heart rate. I read a study the other day that said the baby's lungs and their blood pressure gets better when the mom moves. Now, mm -hmm. I'm not talking about overly moving. You still need to watch your, obviously, your heart rate. That's important as a pregnant woman, especially as you get into the third trimester. You got to watch that heart rate. And every doctor is going to have a different heart rate. So ask your doctor but it does make the baby stronger. It's about doing it correctly. And I just think, I mean, even for me, when I found out I had it, I went to my first OB with my, after my twins. And I told him after I researched all night long and he's like, oh, if you're peeing your pants, we can just put in a sling. And, and they told me all these surgery things I could do. He did not say a word that like mm -hmm. I could do literally exercises to fix it. And I stumbled that night across a you know, a pelvic floor specialist. And I went to her and she's like, you don't need surgery. You just need to turn on your pelvic floor woman. Mm -hmm. And it made a whole difference. So I think it's part of what they know is surgery and, um, they care more about the labor and stuff, but 
I mean, it's a simple fact of why is there only one appointment postpartum for a mom? Yeah. And there's like 17 for the baby. <laughs> yeah. Like the mom's like a hot mess. She's got like postpartum depression. She feels terrible. She's got night, you know, heat flashes or whatever they are. And like she goes once and they're like, good to go. Yeah. <laughs> See you later. Well, and um, I mean, I don't know how long it takes to heal a natural DR for most women, but I imagine it's probably longer than six weeks. And since yes. there isn't another appointment after six weeks, you don't know whether it's healed no. or not. There's no follow up no. for that. And so some, I will get some women who say my, my OB did tell me that I have DR, which is why they reach out. And then I get mm. other women who are like, I had a baby five years ago. I didn't even know this was a thing. Or I had yeah. a baby a year ago. My OB said nothing. I asked him about it and he's like, oh, whatever. There's nothing you can do. You just had babies. Mm. So it just depends. You know, it's, it's, it actually makes me sad. Cause I'm like, if you explain to people you know, gave them resources. I do sometimes get people who say my OB referred me to you, <laughs> which makes me laugh because I'm like, your OB is like a legit doctor. I'm like a personal trainer. <laughs> but yeah. I think it's just a little bit the old school mentality and um, maybe even a lack of knowledge for the OB on the actual physical exercise size, what they can do. Sure. Yeah. Probably just not something that's taught in medical school. Like, no, no. Just, they're like, oh, they're peeing their pants, put a sling in. Yeah. You know, they're not taught that like a physical therapist is taught in school. No, teach them to, you know, lift a pelvic floor, do some small pulses. They don't teach the same thing. So it's yeah. a little tricky. Yeah. I feel like everyone should have a pelvic floor appointment with a physical therapist after they have a baby. I feel like it would do every woman good. That should be included with the six week, but I'm just, you know, a normal person. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if a woman is sitting here being like, well, I have a mommy pooch. How do I know if that's fat, Andrea, or if it's a diastasis recti? Okay. So I will give a video for you to link in your show notes. Cool. I do Great. have an IGTV where I explain exactly what it looks like, how you can self-check. Because a lot of people say my OB never checked for me. And I'm like, no big deal. You can check yourself, girl. It is not a big deal. Mm -hmm. So it's literally an issue of laying on the ground, lifting your shoulders, feeling along your midline for a gap. Um, a lot of people always talk about the gap, but that's the width between your right ab and your left ab. But something else to be aware of is the depth. And mm. the depth is underrated because the depth is your connective tissue. And if that's really worn down, it does take a little bit longer for your abs to come together. So sometimes people may have a really narrow gap, but it's pretty deep. It's, it's deep. like up to their knuckles. And so mm. they're going to have a harder time making that core connect in, but it doesn't mean it's impossible. It just means you have to work at it. And sometimes people say, well, how many weeks, four weeks, six weeks, we can, when can I fix it? And I'm like, that's, that's the beauty of everybody is the severity is different. Our size is different. Our experience is different. Our activation of the muscles is different. I mean, even for strength training, how many times do you hear, well, if I follow these macros for four weeks, what will I look like? Yeah. <laughs> and it's the well, same. I have my process. crystal ball. I know. I, I someone asked woman. me that today. They were like, when will this pay off? And I was like, well, when your body's ready for it too. <laughs> So um, I just feel like that's kind of a way to check. It's an easy video. And I even explain in there that sometimes people don't have diastasis recti, but they can still have a weak transverse abdominals. And again, if that core is not doing its job, it's really hard for the inside, the outside to look nice if the inside's like a stretchy hot mess, you know, mm -hmm. it's not connecting, it's not bracing the core. So that's kind of that way. And then with fat, something to be aware of is if you're, this is in my guide as well. You have to be aware that if it feels firm, if when you look at your core and you see a doming, they call it a doming or a coning, it's like a bread loaf or a ridge down the center of your core. 
that is most often diastasis recti. Now there can be fat around it. There can be fat over it, but you should still feel some improvements, even if there's fat there, if you work on the DR, but they are kind of two separate issues. So the core may lay flatter, but you have to be aware it's not going to necessarily get rid of your fat. If there's excess fat there, it's for the core. So it, it can be both or it can be one or the other. Okay, cool. So if someone is pregnant now and they are wanting to work out and make sure that they do it in a manner that is safe and, and is as stabilizing as possible for the, you know, the core, what are some things that they should be thinking about and take into consideration? Okay. I'm going to hop back one, one to you. Yep. I want to also explain the difference between a hernia. And oh, great. A diastasis. Yep. So, you know, you can tell the difference between fat or if it's, you know, diastasis, but another one that often gets mixed up is hernias and diastasis recti. So they're like sisters. Mm -hmm. They're very similar, but a hernia can be anywhere on the core. Diastasis only runs along the midline. Diastasis normally isn't painful. And a hernia is normally a little bit more painful and the color of a hernia varies. So hernias are normally like bluish or purplish and they will poke out. That is actually a like protrusion of the intestine from like stuff on the inside. So it's a little bit different. So that's something to think about is when you have, you know, if you think you have a hernia, you could easily have diastasis because they are related. And as you work on your diastasis recti, if it's a minor hernia, it can improve as the diastasis improves. If it is a really bad hernia, that's literally a hole in the lining basically in the connective tissue that does need surgery. But again, if it's minor, it can improve as you improve your DR and it's normally painful and it has a different color. Diastasis recti isn't a color. It only bulges during certain movements and it's just right down the core line directly down the center by the belly button. Okay. Yeah. That's a good, good distinction. Um, okay. Pelvic floor while working out while pregnant, what, what do we need to be mindful of and think about? Okay. So I love working out while pregnant. I just think it's so great. And I feel like people fear it because they think it's going to be a problem. And all you need to know is you can do it. You just need to watch your heart rate and you need to, you need to protect your core. You need to take care of yourself. And so the number one thing you can do is anytime that you are fighting gravity. So if you're in a position where obviously you're not stable straight up, if you are working against weight, so if there's any type of progression against weight, if your limbs are moving away from your body, so anything is going distal away from the center of your body, you need to think about what your core is doing because your core's job is to protect yourself. So anytime you do any of those things, you're a little unstable. And all you need to do is remember your pelvic floor is already a little stressed out. We don't want to see that loaf down the center of your stomach, that coning. And so you need to inhale with the movement and then you're going to exhale. As you exhale, you're going to lift the pelvic floor. You're going to draw the transverse abdominals in. It basically looks like people say, does that hurt the baby? No. Like even my PT was like, it's like, you're hugging the baby. You're giving a nice warm hug. <laughs> and so it actually helps. So when you are lifting weights, you are not creating a downward pressure on your pelvic floor because your pelvic floor, if you're like 10 months pregnant, you've already got a bowling ball sitting on it. So the last thing you need is more intra-abdominal pressure, pushing that bowling ball down into your pelvic floor. So if you can learn to lift it, like I like to tell people, imagine a diamond. So the perium's the front, the back of the diamond's the coccyx, and then the two sit bones are the sides of the diamond. Imagine lifting those four points together and up 
that's your pelvic floor coming up. So when you lift, when you're working against movement, against the resistion, you want to exhale and lift the pelvic floor. It's going to help reduce any type of leakage while you're pregnant and help really protect it for after you have the baby. So you won't have leakage and it helps with that back pain along the backside because the pelvic floor is linked all the way around to the glutes, which is linked to the back. Everything's connected. And most time when we feel pain in one area, it's because there's something wrong or a weakening in another area. So if you are twisting, be aware that you are lifting the pelvic floor, drawing the transverse abdominals in. If you are lifting a weight above your head or away from your body, same motion, lift and wrap. I call it wrapping the transverse abdominals in. If you are even lifting a heavy weight, you don't want to bear down. You don't want to push down because that's going to cause problems. You need to lift the pelvic floor, draw the transverse abdominals in. And I'm just realizing I have a free, I have a totally free guide that explains this, explains just the breathing that you can link in your notes. It's totally free. I explain the pelvic floor, the transverse abdominals, and then how to put them together just for breathing. So like you awesome. can do it during any of these moves and it's, it's just the breathing alone, because I feel like if everyone could know how to breathe properly to lift the pelvic floor, oh man, We'd be running with no pads. We'd be, <laughs> we would have so much less issues and you can weave it into any activity, any sort of exercise. Yeah, that's so good. And before, um, before we hit record, um, Andrea and I were talking and she was asking me about powerlifting with public floor. And, um, I shared with her that one of the things that I had to, I had to learn was how to brace properly while lifting super heavy weights, because I noticed as my weights were going up, I was having some incontinence. And I talked to my husband who this is what he does all day, every day at work. And he let me help me to realize that I was bracing improperly. And I think a lot of times when we women are told to, you know, inhale and brace. And that's what we're told as, as in powerlifting, like inhale and brace the core. We do naturally what Andrew was talking. We push down on the pelvic floor and that was okay. It was okay. I say, okay. Like in air quotes, it was okay until I got to heavy weights and then it didn't work anymore. Once you're really and, challenging yourself, right. and then your body's like, hold up, this yeah, isn't working. Because it wasn't really okay at any weight, but it, it, it like was masked until I got to really heavy weights. And what I had to do was I had to go down in weight. Actually, I took the weight on the bar down and learn to, before I like would descend into a squat, I would, I would take a breath in, hold my breath and brace. And I would literally like pull up on my pelvic floor, just like Andrew was talking about before I descended into the squat and then, and pushed up. And when I learned to do that, uh, it changed everything. I didn't, I didn't have any more incontinence with those heavy lifts because I was actually bracing properly. And so I feel like even someone like me, who's had a lot of training in exercise physiology, I'm a nurse, like we've done a lot of anatomy, like I have all this training and I still didn't know how to brace properly. And so it's so important, the things that Andrea is teaching and talking about, because they may seem very simple but like, it may seem simple, but just because it's simple doesn't mean you're actually doing it. And like Andrea said, if we could have everybody doing it the right way, it would be like, it would be magical what people would be able it to experience. It would be so magical. You got to imagine your diaphragm like a balloon, like you were saying in powerlifting, it's a balloon. It's, it is fickle, you know? So if you're lifting, whether you're doing powerlifting or just bodybuilding, or even just like lifting a box, if you're going and you're bearing down, when you do that, that balloon's going to push down. Guess what? it's pushing down the bottom. Guess what's coming out the bottom yeah, of that end. Yeah. If you are doing a sit up and you're not bracing your core correctly, guess what? The sides of that balloon are going to smush together and it's going to push out the front, which is going to create that coning, that doming down the front. So it's about learning to make our core do its actual job. And it is boring. Like 
I was saying, I ran into a girl the other day and she's like, well, I don't really like the pelvic floor exercises because they're boring. I was like, yeah, they're really boring. I agree with you, but they work really, really well. And if you want to feel better and if you want your core to do its job and have less back pain and less, you know, urine leakage and literally lay flatter, like literally do its job. Sometimes you got to do boring stuff to set it up correctly. So you can progressively overload. Even as I work when I, after I have my baby on my own squat, I start with an air squat, making sure my pelvic floor is invited to the party is what I always say. Then I will add just a couple dumbbells. I'll increase my dumbbells. Then I'll go to my bar. Then I start adding more weight to the bar because I have to make sure at every stage that like you, the pelvic floor is invited to the party. Cause otherwise you just, your core is like the whole, you know, center of your game. body. You feel like you're going to feel like crap. If it feels yeah. like crap. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So if somebody does have a diastasis recti, let's say that they are aware of that, they know that, how does that impact their weightlifting routine? Like what are some things that they need to be mindful of? Should they continue lifting weights? Is that something that's advisable? Should they take time off? You know, what would you say to somebody who is working through, maybe they've started working through these exercises, but it's still not healed yet. What do they need to be aware yeah. of? So one thing that I hate is when people say, give me a no, no list. Give me a list of things you can't do. And I'm like, that varies by person. Cause it's what yeah. can you do correctly? It's sure. not don't ever do crunches. Don't ever do planks. It's do a plank correctly and don't do a plank until you can do it correctly. You're not banned from exercises the rest of your life, just because you have a gap. In fact, um, sometimes the gap clinically, the gap, if it's above two fingers, that's clinically considered diastasis recti. Now, my gap is still two fingers. So technically I still have diastasis recti, but they call it functional diastasis recti. And that's when you learn to correctly connect the cord during movements to brace it properly so that you can ease back into those movements. So the first thing you're going to want to do is you're going to want to be aware of any combing, coning, not combing, don't comb, <laughs> coning of the core, any type of ridge down the center. You're also going to want to be aware if you are having any leakage, if you are squatting and you're having leakage, you need to bring your weights down and you need to focus on lifting that pelvic floor. And then you can put your weights back up. I mean, if you broke your leg, you wouldn't continue to try to run a race on it. You would be like, okay, I need to just take it down get back into rehab, get faster and faster, and then get back to running. And you do have to do that same thing. It doesn't mean you can't lift. It doesn't mean there's still not a lot of freedom when you have diastasis recti. You just need to be aware of what things are causing pain, what things are causing your core to go out of a line and what things are causing that ridge down the core. And the number one thing is, is to learn how to breathe properly while you're lifting and lift that pelvic floor. So even if you're lifting, make sure that you're breathing with your diaphragm. A lot of times, after we have babies, we get in this nasty habit of chest breathing and yeah, chest. Up. Yeah. And you see women when they're pregnant and their chest is rising and then we never stop. Mm. And the pelvic floor is connected to the diaphragm. So if the diaphragm's not turning on, like your ribs should expand. If you watch how a baby breathes, their ribs expand. If you watch how a grown woman breathes, her chest is coming up and down. And so part of that's all part of the issue. So even if you're lifting, no, no matter what you're doing, start with basics, start with, am I breathing with my diaphragm? Am I able to feel my pelvic floor? Am I able to lift my pelvic floor? Am I able to lift my pelvic floor and exhale and draw my core in while I lift weight, while I'm working against resistance? You know, normally it's when the muscle is contracting because you're working against it. That's normally the phase, like the effort of the movement. Am I able to keep 
you know, my pelvic floor lifted through the range of motion of whatever exercise I'm doing. A lot of times people say I've lost, I don't know if it's, you know, lifted and I'm, and I'll say, bring your weight down just a little bit. It's the same thing for form. If someone has bad squat form, you're going to have to say, take some weight off, get your squat form right. And then put it back on. It's going to make you more effective in the long run. It's the same thing with the pelvic floor. So you don't have to stop lifting. You just have to be aware and adjust when you see, okay, this is, you know, like the doming, this is a sign that there's a problem and adjust for it. Yeah. So if somebody has diastasis recti and they don't identify it and they don't correct for it and they don't do anything, what are some, what are some byproducts? What are some things that can happen down the line if this is not addressed? So this is a huge one. And I think this is what people forget. So first you can kind of be where some of you might be sitting there thinking like, oh, do I have it? Do I not? Is my core strong? Think about what your core does. You know, if your diaphragm tongue turns on when you cough, when you sneeze, or if you were blowing up a balloon, does your core go out or does it actually draw in? If your core pushes out when you sneeze, it's actually not doing what it's supposed to do. There's intra-abdominal pressure and it's pushing it out. If you sneeze and it instantly, you know, retracts, then your core is doing what it's supposed to. It's bracing you. And so that's one thing you can be aware of, like, oh, it is weak. Maybe I should work on this because during those things, my core pushes out. It should draw in and you can train your core to draw in. So oftentimes when women don't do anything about it, there's a couple of things that happen. A, our posture starts being terrible because when your core is weak, Oftentimes there's a few things that happen. One, we start to compensate by pushing our hips forward. When we push our hips forward, our glutes tuck under, our glutes turn off, our back takes the brunt of the work, and then our hip flexors are weak. Often when our hip flexors, I mean, our core is also weak, sometimes we will start to push it forward where we create that arch in the lower back, and then it creates tight hip flexors and then pain in the lower back. So oftentimes a lot of our back pain is linked to you know, a core that's weak from your transverse abdominals being weak, or it's not connecting properly. So in our daily posture, it's not doing its job to help us stand straight up. It's starting to fall forward, or we're using our hips to compensate. So that's one thing, your posture starts getting terrible and starts creating pain all over your body. And it becomes harder to build your glutes because you're tucking them underneath because your core is weak. And then they're not firing properly during squats because they're so weak from like daily activities. So that's one. Another thing is you have to imagine your core like a porch swing or a porch door. If one hinge is off, like at first when you're opening that door, it's going to open okay, but it kind of like starts breaking the hinge more. And then as you open that door more and more, the bottom hinge breaks and then the door is not even, it's like dragging on the ground. And then it's like not even opening. And you're like this stupid door and you can't even get out the door anymore. (laughs) And that's what's happening with your core is like your lifts will start being bad. Your pain in your back will start being bad. You'll have issues with like even the front just feeling like you're falling forward even more so with the posture. So it's really important to fix, you know, that issue in making the core do its job because then you just are like that broken door that's getting worse and worse because as you know, the kinetic chain is real. Mm -hmm. Everything is connected. And when your core doesn't do its job, the pelvic floor, the hip flexors, the back, the lower back, the hamstrings, everything gets all out of whack. And then we feel uncomfortable all the time. And then we can't even do lifts correctly because we don't have the flexibility. We don't have the mobility and we start to not even be able to lift as much because even if we come down into a squat, the core is not strong enough 
to do its job. So then the back takes the brunt of the squat and we start to fold forward. So people think I just won't do anything about it. It won't matter. You're not going to elevate your fitness game. If your core is weak, you're going to struggle with seeing physical changes. Even if you do macros, even if you diet, even if you do anything, you'll struggle to see physical changes because the core pressure is pushing out all the time. It's like that hinge door, not doing what it's supposed to. It's going the wrong way. So it's, it's almost like the two things that we love about fitness, you know, gains, not, you know, gains and in, in fitness and then like feeling great and looking great. You get none of the above. <laughs> you don't get anything. No, <laughs> none you for lost you. lost the game. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like every woman, every woman who has a pelvic floor would benefit from doing pelvic floor exercises, not just the women who have a diastasis recti. Yes. Yes. Okay. Talk to me more about that. You can lift more. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you're lifting, if your core is weak, it's going to affect your squat, your deadlift, your pull-ups. It's going to affect everything, the way you run, the way you feel. So like, even if you don't have the issue, it is going to make you stronger in your fitness game. And I don't know about you, but I feel awesome when I feel strong, you know, like when I can do things effectively, it feels good. And sometimes I hear women complaining about some of their aches and pains. And I, and I, as you know, focusing so much on the core, I'm like, oh, that's your core. And they just don't even realize that's what it is. Mm -hmm. So anyone can honestly benefit from literally just, just like you, when you're doing powerlifting, learning to lift the pelvic floor and wrap the core in to do its job. And you will, you will benefit in any aspect, no matter what your fitness goals are, it will help you. Yeah, definitely help you. I think it's one of those things like you talk about inviting your pelvic floor to the party, which I, I love that. Um, I might steal that, <laughs> but yeah, it's, you it's like, <laughs> you're like, everything's working, but the pelvic floor and then yeah, you're like, it needs oh, to come too. <laughs> it needs to come to the party too. And I think a lot of that is just awareness. Like it's like creating that mind muscle connection between, Oh, how do I connect? How do I contract my pelvic floor? I don't even know how to do that. And I find it, it makes me think of like the lats, which I think are another muscle group that so many women don't know how to actively contract. And we, and my friends and ITs, we talk, we call it like finding your lats, like teaching people to like find your lats. Like when yes. you find your lats and you actually use your lats for a bench press, or you actually use your lats for a pull-up, it makes all of the difference in the world. And it's really just about you, you've never been taught to find your lats or to squeeze your lats. Most of us have never been taught to like figure out the mind muscle connection between our pelvic floor. And when you figure it out, you're like, okay, squeeze your pelvic floor and then you can do it. <laughs> like yes. it, it just, it changes everything. It I mean, makes you know, it. It's so funny. We, we literally train every muscle in the body and the pelvic floor is a muscle. <laughs> That's what it is. It, yes. And we train everything in fitness, but nobody's talking about the pelvic floor. Yes. <laughs> and it all is combined. And that is a perfect example. Sometimes people struggle feeling it while they're sitting. So one thing you can do is I tell people sit, like lay with your back on the ground, put your feet up because Mm -hmm. then you're not fighting gravity. So it's easier to lift, like put your feet up on a chair. Another thing you can do to just even learn to like, where even is it? Mm -hmm. Where is it is to lean forward on a counter again. So you're not fighting gravity. You're leaning forward. So when it moves, your perium feels it in the front. And those are just two simple ways where it's like, you're just not working as much against gravity and will help you feel it. Cause I know that's initially for people. They're like, I got nothing. I feel nothing. Yeah, I don't feel, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I Where is no it? No idea. <laughs> yeah. What is that supposed like to feel like? Like a blueberry. Imagine picking up, I've heard people say a straw or a blueberry or an elevator shaft coming up and then coming down. That's the other thing is people focus a lot on it coming up, but you have to focus on it coming down too, because that can create a tight pelvic floor. So it would be hypotonic or hypertonic, sorry. 
And that is bad too. That can create leakage and pain and stuff too. So you do need to learn to lift it and then to fully relax it. So bring that diamond up and then fully bring that diamond down. Yeah, that's really good. Awesome. Okay. I want to uh, do a little bit of a shift in topics because when I put up on my Instagram, what questions people wanted me to ask, there was a lot of questions about you being a mom and nutrition and running a business and what your workout schedule looks like. So are you cool if we kind of dive into a couple of those questions before yeah, we let's go for it? Okay. Um, so I think, uh, will you share, you kind of started to talk about your kids a little bit, but will you just share a little bit about, um, you as a mom and some of the like the business and the nutrition and the working out and kind of how you make all of that stuff fit together. So I am big in time blocking. Am I always amazing at time blocking? No, (laughs) but when I do time block effectively, it allows me to shift my mindset of like, okay, this is kid time. This is work time. This is fitness time. So that does help me. And it's how I get things done. I also use for business and I actually swear by it. It's a push journal. It's by Shalene Johnson. I love that push journal. I built my whole business off that push journal and it's not even that much money. And it helps me literally have three small things every day that I'm going to do. And literally, I mean, small, like they should only take me like 15 minutes. So over the course of the day, that's just tiny things. And if I do those tiny things every day, it does push things I want to add or build or things for business forward. It just does it at a reasonable amount. When you try to do too much too fast, it backfires. And that even is in fitness and in nutrition (laughs) and in business and everything. If you overwhelm yourself, like, you know, I'm going to make a new workout routine. I'm going to work out four hours a day. I'm going to eat 200 calories. (laughs) It backfires. It's the same thing with business. So I, um, my husband actually ran a business. He did landscaping and I did online training. And we actually, a few years ago felt like I mean, we have four kids under seven, but when we had our last baby, we had four under five. So we live in like a zoo, like literally our front porch mat says, um, no more crazies. We're all stocked up in here. That's what my mat says (laughs) because our house is like a literal zoo. And so we had both our businesses and we just decided our kids were suffering because he was gone all day and I would do the kids and then he would be home at night and I'd work all night. And then we weren't together. And So we actually sold his business and he actually works for me now. And he does some of the accounting and, um, he, we take turns watching the kids, but, um, he does more of the business side. And then I do more of like the fun teaching educational side. And I, I love it. I love what I do because I get so many emails from women who are just so downtrodden. Like they just, like, it breaks my heart. Like, They just don't see themselves the way they should. And I realize it's so common. Like women beat themselves up. We are just constantly telling ourselves everything we are not doing right. And it's just wrong. It's just wrong because women do so many things right. So I just love what I do in helping coach women about, you know, balance for nutrition and balance for workouts and healing like a normal person after you have a baby, not bouncing back. You got to bounce forward. Like you're a new woman. We are bouncing into a new life. You know, Mm -hmm. you got to bounce forward and you'll be better. Like, I don't want to go back. I want to go better, you know? And so I, we spend a lot of time there and he does the business side of it. And I just, I love coaching people. I love coaching on the mindset of being positive because I honestly feel like, as I know you do, 
if you talk nice to yourself, if you tell yourself you can do something, you can do it. Mm -hmm. If you get rid of the all or nothing mentality in every aspect of life, whether you are talking about business, whether you're talking about a relationship, whether you're talking about nutrition or macros or anything, if you can give yourself like real space to grow and make mistakes and realize, you know, I'm one of my favorite things I tell my clients is you are generally moving in the correct direction, (laughs) tiny steps. That's all you need. Tiny steps in the correct direction. I don't care if you're zigzagging. I don't care if you take a water break. I don't care if you sit down on a bench, you are still going in the correct direction. And we're just not very good at seeing that. So I just, I love that side of my business and with four little kids, it is a little bit crazy. That's kind of a roundabout answer. I feel like I went in a full circle for that, but I time block it, which is helpful. And I do my workout in the morning and we do food prep on Sunday, which does help. But we really, um, my husband, and I really divide and conquer. Like when I'm burnt out, he switches me. When he's burnt out, I switch him. We really divide and conquer tasks. And we also have a meeting on Sunday nights where we basically say, okay, what meals are we eating for dinner? We plan out what meals we're having. We get those on Monday. We take turns even cooking. He's a better cook than me. In fact, our kids are always like, mom, you're a good cooker. And I like made eggs. (laughs) (laughs) He's a better, he's like a legit, he's really good at cooking, but we still will take turns with those and we'll meal. So we'll meal plan. And then we'll even plan for the business. Like, okay, this week I need to do A, B, and C. I need to fix this thing. I need to add this thing. And he'll say, I need to talk to this affiliate. And so we each lay out two or three things each day, those tiny things that we can do. And that just helps us. But that little meeting helps us with food prep and with business planning and with juggling the kids. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how we do it. That's awesome. That's good. Uh, and don't question. get me wrong. Sometimes it's chaos at my house. Sometimes <laughs> all of that goes to crap and I'm like, oh, that was a disaster. <laughs> that didn't work. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think I always have it together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you kind of mentioned your workout schedule, but what is, does your work weekly workout schedule look like? So I like to, I'm probably a little bit more into bodybuilding. I, so here's the truth. I lift weights because I know it's good for my body and it makes me feel good and it makes me functional. I do cardio because I think it is good for me mentally. I struggle with anxiety. I've had anxiety my whole life. I've even, you know, struggled with bouts of depression in my life. And for me, cardio eases that it really eases it. So while I feel like weights are better for me physically, I do cardio because mentally it's a game changer for me. So I probably lift, you know, five to six days a week. I like to lift opposing muscles. Um, That's probably my favorite. Um, I just like that style. I have to superset a lot because I don't have that much time. So I would love to take longer rests between, but I, I literally don't have the window for that. You know, I don't have the window to do my squats and then, sit for one to three minutes to like really no, recover. No, no, sit for like five <laughs> to seven minutes. I know. It's <laughs> if you're true. only sitting for one to three minutes, you're not lifting heavy enough. <laughs> I know it's true. And you are right. I'm, I probably would say I am a moderately moderate lifter. If that makes sense. I don't lift it t- super heavy. Um, I probably stay in hypertrophy most of the time, like with my reps and stuff. That's the window that I technically like the best. So I do superset a lot simply because I don't have time. Mm-hmm. And so that is effective for me. I just try to make sure I'm supersetting muscle groups that are not like, I'm not going to superset a squat and a deadlift. Ew. <laughs> yeah. Ew. Supersetting things that are, that are different, you know? Yeah. So, so that's kind of um, my routine. I, when I do cardio, 
I love kickboxing. Like I said, I do it because it mentally is very satisfying. It eases my mind. It helps me. I actually get my best ideas when I am exercising. In fact, I have three books in my gym. I have a podcast book. I have a workout book and I have a, my journal, the push journal, and I will be in the middle of working out and I have pens and I have a, a board in there too, where I put stickies and notes and I'll get an idea of like, oh my gosh, this is a great post. And I'll have to stop <laughs> and write it down. Or this is a great move and I'll hurry and, and mm -hmm. add it. So I, I feel like my mind's the most clear when I'm exercising, whether it's lifting or cardio, but that's actually when I feel like I'm the most effective in my brain. <laughs> I love it. How, about how much time are you in the gym a day? Mm, about an hour. So I like to walk. That's the other thing I will say. I walk a lot. So I, I do an hour in the gym, but I love walking. So mm -hmm. I probably walk another, I don't know, 30 minutes a day or so, but it's not like overly intense. I just enjoy, I, I have ADD. And so when I answer my emails, I get bored sitting at my desk. Like, I feel like I'm like, Oh, what's over there. And I'm like wandering out. And before I know it, I'm like eating candy or something. And so <laughs> I will answer my emails when I walk. That's my other little trick. I remember so I, you like doing a story about that. Of how yes, you, like, I've heard any trick. like typos or whatever. It's because yes. I'm doing voice to text. <laughs> so I use voice to, voice to text like a mad woman. And there has been some really bad typos, like really bad typos that I've sent people before. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I try to proofread it, but I walk and answer my email. So I will circle my neighborhood. I don't go fast. I will go on my treadmill and walk. I will go to the park and I... I'm so much faster doing it that way because I do have ADD and I like to move. Mm -hmm. And so it's like a little like trick of the trade. You just got to read your messages because sometimes you say some <laughs> dirty things or <laughs> and you're like, what? That's not even a word. How did that... Siri, I did I've not never... say that. Yeah. Like literally, I remember I said like safe than sorry one time. And it's sent to the person, Satan knows best. And I was like, that is not even what Same I said. <laughs> and so, yeah, I do walk a lot and answer emails. So if you are one of my clients, you know, like, and I even warn them when they start, I'm like, if a word doesn't make sense, they write me back. I try to proofread, but every once in a while, one slips through and you're like, what, what, are you, what? <laughs> so awesome. Okay. Last question before we wrap up, what are some of your current goals? And this can be business goals, health goals, fitness goals, whatever. What are some goals that you are personally working towards? So I should reach out to you on this. I am stuck at eight pull-ups. I cannot oh. get to 10 pull-ups. Yeah. I am like struggling. And then I started digressing mm. and I was like, why am I digressing? And so I like, you know, made sure that like I was going back. Maybe I was like, maybe I'm not retracting my shoulders. Maybe yeah. I'm not, you know, turning, turning on my lats. Like we talked about, I was like, maybe I'm pulling and I'm stuck at seven to eight. So I really am wanting to get to 10. I remember seeing a, a video of you and you were doing pull-ups like on a door at a church. And I was like, <laughs> I was like that beast. How <laughs> what do you feel like limits you? Like when you get to where you can't do another pull-up, what is it that limits you? So one, I'm crazy about making sure that my because a common one is your core will cone when you're doing pull-ups. Mm -hmm. So I will never do kipping pull-ups because the way that it swings forward, it puts my core out of line. And so people say, well, you could get better if you did. And I'm like, no, I'm just going to do strict. No, pull no, no. Kipping pull-ups doesn't train strict. No, they're yeah, not, that's they're, what I said. No. I was like, no, that they're, doesn't they're like, they're like different exercises. Okay. <laughs> that's what just, I felt like. Yeah, so no. I was like, no, I'm just going to stick with my strict. No, no, no. Um, I, I wondered if maybe I'm not fully retracting and I'm pulling with my arms sometimes. Mm -hmm. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like I'm That's not super common. 
Yeah. So I've been trying to do my dead hangs and, and it's not my grip and I've been trying to do shoulder retractions and stuff while hanging. Mm -hmm. And, and so it's gotten a little bit better, but I started digressing and that's when I went back and was like, I got to work on my retractions. I got to, I've been doing them, you know, my negatives negatives, I think is a good one that helps Mm -hmm. me, but I really wanted to get to 10. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, once you start getting like, once you can do a pull-up or a couple of pull-ups and you want to start getting more pull-ups, a lot of it is is just like endurance. It's muscle endurance. How long can the muscle hold on? Um, and the way to train that is, is just more volume. Um, if a lot of people struggle, it doesn't sound like you struggle. A lot of people struggle with their grip giving out and their grip strength isn't, isn't strong enough to hold it. Um, but for you, it's, it does, it sounds like you might be using more arm muscle than you think. And that arm muscle like tires out a a ton. Mm -hmm. Um, the other thing that I will like the trick that I will say for people who can do multiple pull-ups and want to get more, um, being able to time the bounce out of the bottom. So you're, when you fully extend at the bottom, you have that like muscular retraction or that Uh that contraction. You want to like time it so that you bounce out and are able to use that muscular recoil to bounce out of it. I'm pausing at the bottom. Don't pause at the bottom. Uh -uh. That's, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I'm (laughs) going to go to the gym right after you get off this. (laughs) Fully extend. I'm not saying don't extend. Like, no, but I'm almost like dead hanging at the bottom. And don't, no, no, no. Don't dead hang. No, you want to fully extend because that's what people will do is they'll cheat and they won't fully extend their arm. So I'm not saying don't fully extend. Totally. All the way to the bottom. But it's just like a squat where when you get to the bottom of a squat, it's a lot harder if you stop at the bottom and then try to go back up instead of bouncing out of the bottom off of the tension created by your hamstrings. It's the same thing for a pull-up. So try that. It's just like a timing of like, when I get to the bottom, it's a bounce out of it and back up into the next one and about bounce up to the next one. I'm going to, I'm going to try right today. Okay. Um, that's yeah. So that I would say that's one of my goals. One of my other goals is I, this is the first year I did a very poor job of when I started my business, doing it myself, doing Mm. it all myself, everything myself, figuring out how to do it, working crazy hours, awake all night, like stressing everyone out. Cause I was doing it all myself. And yeah. this year I was like, I'm done. No and more. So, yeah. yeah. I was like, I've hired on people and, um, that's been huge. So I'm trying to teach other coaches to coach. Like I coach so yeah. that then I can do better stuff at, you know, we want to come out with a subscription this year for workouts and some Sweet. other stuff. And so that's probably my big thing this year is I'm like, I have to teach the process. I have to teach the method because yeah. I think like most people, we try to like do it all ourselves. We try to muscle it up with our arms. <laughs> Such a good analogy. We try to yeah. muscle it up with our arms instead of using our lats. <laughs> yeah. And then we're like, why is this not working? Why am I stuck at eight? Well, this is why, why am I like running around like a chicken with my head cut off? Because I'm not bringing in people. And yeah. so this is the first year that I've really made an effort to bring in a handful of coaches that I've trained and I love them. They're doing a really good job so far so, fun. so that we can, you know, come out with this subscription and some other stuff for workouts and stuff. So yeah. So good. Slow down to speed up. That's what yeah, that was, I game. compared it. Someone asked me and I was like, it's like I had a hot air balloon and I filled out too much air and all the stitches were like flying out yeah. as we were flying. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, I got to re- like release the air, stitch it stitch back up, up stuff. bring people in, fix it and then expand again, you know? So yep. it's growing pains in, in any, you know, if you run a business, they're just, they're hard, but they're, mm-hmm. they were, you know, it's nice to get over that hump. Yeah, so, so good. And it's a little different. And and, awesome. and the, and the reason why is because I want to be present with my kids. Sure. Like I spend a lot of time with them already. Um, I'm with them a lot, but I want to be more like, mm-hmm. I love, I love my little people. They work out with me. They do everything with me. I love them around and I just yeah. want more of it. It's awesome. All right. Where can our listeners find you? Um, I am on deliciously fit and healthy 
at Instagram. Now, the name is a little intense. I know. <laughs> it's a mouthful. Deliciously fit, the letter N, healthy. Um, you can go to my website as well. It's deliciouslyfitandhealthy.com. Those are kind of my my main things. I'm on Facebook, but I'm not on there as consistently. So that's kind of, those are, I would say my main avenues. I Oh, I have a podcast. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, make it simple with Andrea Allen. So it's fun. It's like, it's new, you know, it's not new. I guess I've been doing it since November, but I love, I actually love the podcast as you know more because you get to like, so I love it. lots of information at so once. And so like everything in social media is just quick turnover. You got to spit it out fast. And with podcasts, you can dive deep. And I love that because so much of what we do is nuanced. Like yes. you can't condense what like this nuanced thing into like no. a 250 character post. Like, yeah. And they're like 15 yeah. second reel, get it out. And I'm like, <laughs> like, but there's nuance that I have to dive into and explain. And yeah, that's one of the reasons. I yeah. Love the so I, I love the, in fact, when I started, I was like, this is my jam because I really felt like I could teach concepts clearly mm-hmm. for the yeah. first time, you know? Yeah. So I love it. I was so excited when I saw you start a podcast. I was like, yes, it's about time. Andrew's going to be so good. So it's, awesome. It's been a really great time. So I love it. So that's where, it, that's where you can pretty much reach me. The podcast or Instagram is where I, I like to hang out besides my house. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on and being our expert and sharing your information with my audience. I really appreciate it. Of course. Of course. I hope that you got something out of that episode with Andrea. If you would do me a favor and screenshot you're listening, what you see on your screen right now, um, and share it to your social media and tag me and Andrea. Let us know what you're thinking as you're listening to the podcast. Let us know what aha moments you had. Um, Were there things that you learned in this podcast that you didn't know ahead of time? Uh, We love it when you um, share the podcast on Instagram or on Facebook and tag us and let us know what it is that you're hearing and learning as you listen to the podcast. That wraps up this episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm Amber. Now go out and be strong because remember, my friend, you can do anything. Hold up, sister friend. Do you love Biceps After Babies Radio? If so, the best way to say thank you is to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on iTunes. I know every podcaster wants you to leave a review, but it's because those reviews help the podcast to reach more people. And I do truly want to know what you think. If this particular episode resonated with you, will you also please share it? Either send the link to someone who would find it valuable or take a screenshot and post it to your social media and tell your friends and family why they should listen. Make sure you tag me at biceps.after.babies so I can hear your feedback and give you a little love. And you know, if you aren't already following me on Instagram or Facebook, that's the perfect time to hit that follow button. Thank you for being here and listening to Biceps After Babies Radio.